I'm Peter Alakawi and welcome to Life School, the podcast. Each episode, I'll be chatting openly and honestly with a different guest about a whole host of purposeful topics. From personal success and failure stories, to relationship advice, tips and tricks for entrepreneurs, to professional and practical guidance on living a more fulfilled and happy life. I'll be speaking to men and women from all walks of life, all with unique experiences they want to share in the hope of inspiring you. I hope throughout this series you can take away some valuable nuggets of wisdom to help you navigate through life's many twists, turns and lessons. Here at Life School we are all about the business of learning. So let's get on with the show. And remember, everything you go through grows you. My guest today is the fabulous co-founder of Thrive Talks, Farida Gilmore. Farida is a qualified professional career coach, having previously spent almost 10 years as a corporate communication specialist in the UK, Asia and Middle East before becoming the original founder of Thrive. Thrive is inspired by Farida's personal career journey where, while navigating the ups and downs of a career change with a young family in tow, she found a lack of inspirational, relatable and supportive voices. This spurred Farida to create an experiential platform influenced by powerful TED-like talks, but with a focus on the world of work, particularly from a female perspective, that she felt was deeply needed. Farida's passion to provide a megaphone for individuals to share their personal stories and strive for better is at the core of Thrive's growth and success. So, without further ado, here's my conversation with the brilliant Farida Gilmore. Enjoy! Farida, welcome to Life School. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for giving me your time today. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Um, Okay, can you tell us about your amazing company, Thrive, and what was the inspiration behind starting it? Sure. So Thrive is a community organization, and our whole thing is inspiring, motivating, and providing the practical tools and knowledge and know-how so that women can flourish in their career, whether that's as an entrepreneur or uh, a business owner or as an executive in corporate. And the way we've been doing it this last year, year and a half, has been through a series of curated live speaker events that are TED-like, and they showcase the personal stories of founders, leaders, and emerging talent in the UAE. And more recently, we've done that through the introduction of masterclasses that are delivered by experts in their field to provide much more hands-on, interactive, uh, practical tools. And what's the difference between the masterclasses and the events from when you first started? So the events, we started with just the speaker events. And uh, the, the feeling behind them was we wanted to create a platform that was going to attract a community that was going to be supportive, that was going to showcase stories that were inspirational and motivational and get people fired up about their careers and their work and what they're passionate about and what they want to do. And the masterclasses are much more of a recent thing and they are in reaction to our community um, needing more than just inspiration and motivation, needing knowledge and ideas and um, practical tips and tools for how to take the next step in their career, how to take the next uh, step towards action to getting where they want to get to. Like actual tangible takeaways. Yeah, exactly. So delivered by experts, really high quality, um, much more of a classroom environment. The speaker events are, like I said, TED style. So we have an audience, we have 
three speakers who each give a TED-like talk that's rooted in a personal story, their personal journey around their career or business, whatever there is they've created and are passionate about talking about. Um, and the atmosphere is different at, at, each, at each thing, at each, with each format. And what was the inspiration behind starting Thrive? So Thrive comes from a place of frustration predominantly. So I worked in corporate for the best part of a decade. And towards the end of that time, I found myself getting quite restless and demotivated and just, just a bit dissatisfied with how my day looked day in, day out. Um, and I realized it was my job that was making me feel that way. So I wanted to do something about it. I wanted to change it. Um, and my problem was that I didn't know what I wanted to do instead. So I started off just looking for inspiration, looking to, to see what other people had done. What, what were they creating? What were they passionate about? How did they get there? What was their journey and their struggle? And I did that predominantly online. But what I was missing was face-to-face -face interaction and connection. I wanted to ask questions. I wanted to know more. I wanted to connect with real people. Um, and I was looking for that kind of supportive, empathetic community that was going to inspire me, motivate me, um, help me figure out what it is I wanted to do. And I, unfortunately, I couldn't find that community. So I decided, well, maybe I'll create it. And that's how Thrive originally started. That was the inspiration, the origin of Thrive. And how long did it take you to get to that point? From going, from being frustrated yeah. and not sure what you wanted to do to, okay, I have clarity now, this is what I'm going to do? Uh, it's it was a gradual process. I think that it probably took the, the best part of a couple of years, actually, because the point where I was just so, um, I just had it with my, with my corporate mm -hmm. job. From that point to actually starting Thrive, that was a journey in itself, that, that period of time. And, and what that journey looked like a lot of the time was actually me trying to figure out like, who I was, who am I, what do I actually enjoy, what do I like, what excites me, what motivates me. And I think the reason I had sort of lost myself a little bit was I probably had spent most of those 10 years working listening to other people's um, opinions of what I should do. Um, we are conditioned to a certain extent, a lot of us, by what, how we're brought up and our parents' expectations of us. And I was pretty much ticking boxes of get, a, you know, get good grades at school, go to a good university, get on that corporate ladder, work your way up. And I was, I was checking those boxes. And I, I didn't mind, actually, what I was doing. I didn't mind my job at all. But after I'd done it for a certain amount of time, I had, it was no longer serving me. And mm. I had outgrown that. And I also have a belief very strongly that life is short and if I'm not really into what I'm doing, I need to change it or figure out what I want to do instead. Um, so it, it was a whole journey where I was looking at inside mm. a lot in that period of time. So I, yeah, I'd say the best part of two years before I actually started Thrive. Well, that leads me on to my next question. So for anyone out there that's facing a crossroads in their career, or for anyone who's actively wanting to take a different direction, uh, but perhaps doesn't know where to begin, what would be your advice? And I, I have to say, I'm slightly at this point myself. Mm. Um, so please give me your advice. 
I mean, I can only speak from my experience and everyone has their own um, reasons for doing things and, and motivations for doing things. My advice would be, listen, if you, if you know that what you're doing at the moment in your work and your career is just not for you, the first thing I would do is take a look at yourself and try and get really clear and self-aware about what it is that drives you, what it is that motivates you, what excites you, and why is where you are now not giving you that? And are there opportunities in your current place of work where you might be able to create that, that, uh, that feeling that you're after? And if there's not, and you feel like, no, the only option is to leave, um, that's great. And, but I'd say, first of all, just get really clear about who you are, what, what it is that drives you, what are your values? Because when you're really certain about um, what excites you, what you're passionate about, what you want the end goal to be, it will make it so much easier to, to know how to take the next step. Um, mm. So I'd say look inwards first. That's the first step. Look at yourself. Do you know yourself? Do you know what drives you? Do you know what motivates you? And if you're struggling with that, there are amazing coaches in this city who can help you with amazing tools. I used a coach in my transition period of trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, they can really help you get really clear about who, mm. who you are, like really drive self-awareness. And I think from, that's the starting point for, for anyone, I would say. And with the coaching, so you mentioned there you went to, to seek some... some um, professional kind of insight yeah. Yeah. from a from a coach notice I didn't use the word advice um True. is that is that what made you want to do a coaching course yourself um so was it you went to a coach first as a coachee or how did how did that come about because I know that you are a qualified coach as well yeah uh the way it came about was I randomly bumped into a couple of coaches within a space of like three months during this time where I was still figuring stuff out and what I wanted to do. Um, and I, my husband doesn't believe me, but I had actually never heard of coaching before I met these two women. And I got to hear about what they did and it really resonated with me. I found it absolutely fascinating. Um, and then I thought, well, okay, I want to experience this. So then, I, yeah, I did seek out a coach and I got some coaching around my issue at the time, which was, I don't know what I want to do with my, my work and career. And I found that the process that I went through in coaching was, um, was transformative. It just helped me think so much more clearly. And that was a great stepping stone. And I found the process so powerful that I was like, right, I want to learn the tools myself of how to do this myself. Not just, I mean, predominantly for, my, for me, like how do I get more clear with everything I do? Um, so I, I trained to be a coach. And those tools have been invaluable. And actually, I would say that I wouldn't have probably started Thrive had I not gone on that um, coaching course. And when you were going through this journey of figuring out what you wanted to do, did you know it was a business? No, I didn't know it was a business. I just knew that I wanted to feel a certain way. Um, I'd actually had an idea uh, that looked a little bit like Thrive for quite a few years. Um, but the only thing that that idea was based on was the fact that I loved watching TED Talks in my free time. So to me, that wasn't a business. That was just, well, this is what I love to do in my free time. Um, but then 
after I did the coaching course and when I couldn't find what I was looking for in that TED-like inspirational supportive community here, it wasn't available for me to go and join. I had, it had to be created. So that's why it then just became something that I created and it, and it went on from there. Yeah. And I think um, just a touch on the coaching, because thanks to you, I just finished a coaching course. Yes, congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> North Point Academy. Yeah. Uh, shout out to team. the amazing team there. And it was thanks to you, because that's the course you also did, yeah. that I got in touch with them. Um, coaching is so powerful. Yeah. And what would you say to anyone who is maybe a little bit skeptical about coaching? Because having been through this myself now, I would really encourage someone who is at a crossroads. Mm. Um, I mean, at any stage in their life, but particularly yeah. if you're at a stage where you're not sure what to do next in terms of your, your career or even your personal life, I would encourage them mm. to enroll yourself on a coaching course yeah. purely for your self-development. But for, for people that are a little bit skeptical, what would you say? I'd say try it before you comment. Um, I think that... I mean, don't get me wrong, the, there are, the, the number of coaches that are qualifying every year globally is on the increase. Yeah. Um, and that can somewhat dilute the quality of coaching. But having said that, there are some absolutely amazing coaches in this city. Uh, and I would say don't knock it until you've tried it. And it will work for some people and it won't work for other people. It's not for everyone and not every coach is for everyone. Yeah. It's very much like a, a partnership and a relationship, the relationship you have with your coach. Um, and for those who are skeptical, yeah, I would just say, you're, you're, if you've tried it, you have a right to be skeptical. If you haven't tried it, mm. try it, get a coach, experience it, see how it can potentially yeah, exactly. change Yeah, exactly. Not even go on a course. No. Just go and have Just, experience coaching. Yeah. If you really are yeah. stuck. Yeah. And at, at the end of the day, if you're really stuck and you don't know which way to turn, you've got nothing to lose yeah. by trying. By trying, if, it, if coaching is one of the avenues that you can try. Try. What have you got to lose? Um, from my experience, exactly. you've got a huge amount to gain. And it, like I said, it was without that course, without that insight into myself that the coaching course um, brought me, I doubt that I probably would have started Thrive. Mm. I, would have, I wouldn't have had the tools, I wouldn't have had the, the courage, I wouldn't have had the ability to set goals and work through them in the way that I have to create what I've yeah. created. So it's not fluffy, airy-fairy stuff, not if you're with the right coach and with a decent coach. It's actually really practical. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I would 100% recommend seeking out a coach if you're stuck. And you still coach now? Yeah, I still coach. So alongside Thrive, yeah. you are also a, a practicing coach. Yeah. And you specialize in just this area, don't yeah, you? Yeah, exactly. Helping so exactly, people with that kind of uh, transition. Yeah. Exactly what I've been through is what I coach around. So if you're stuck in, if you're feeling just demotivated in your career, you, you have a sense that it's just not right for you, you think that maybe there's something bigger that you want to be part of, and you're just unsure or you're fearful about how you're going to get there, then that's exactly where I was four years ago. So 
I've got myself out of that um, and I've learned the tools along the way that helped me get out of that and that's exactly what I do to help other people now. Amazing. What's your top three tips for anyone listening that wants to start their own business? Um, Okay, if you want to start your own business and you're pretty sure you want to be an entrepreneur and you appreciate everything that comes with that, then my top three tips would be one, learn from others as much as possible and grow a really useful network. Um, Two, I would say be willing and flexible with your ideas. And by that, I mean what your business starts off looking like may not, it may not continue to look like that. That's so true. It will change and it will evolve and be prepared to move with the times and and with the feedback that you get and and evolve that business and those ideas. Um, I think the third piece of advice I'd say I'd give is challenge yourself to think outside the box. Um, And there are ways to do that. I think a lot of us get get distracted by competition, for example, and we look at what other people in our field are doing or who are doing similar things to us. And actually, I think that that can be detrimental to your creativity. I think that when you're looking at what other people are doing, uh, if you're looking at it from a competition point of view, you may, it might end up molding your own ideas and you might not come up with such original uh, ways to solve problems in your field. Having said that, you can still look at the competition and get inspired and motivated yeah, by what they're exactly. doing. But just, just be aware of what your approach is when you're looking outside of, what you're, of your idea and, and what you're trying to build. So I think don't be afraid to, to think outside the box. Look outside for inspiration, but don't let... Um, fear of competition molds the way you decide to do things and don't let it squash your your creativity when you're trying to create something unique and valuable yeah don't let it limit you because often you can you can see what someone else is doing let's say you have an idea and you think well well they're not doing that so obviously that doesn't work well maybe they just didn't execute it right or maybe it just needs some tweaking or um, I think often we can look at other other people doing similar things and you're limiting yourself yeah um so yeah that's a really really valuable advice what's the biggest lesson you've learned during your entrepreneurial journey so far there's been so many but um and i think the lessons that we learn are very individual to us yeah um but for me one of the biggest is that i cannot please everyone and that has been I'm still something I still work on now because my personality is to say yes to everyone and try and help everyone and what is it that Oprah calls it the disease to please yeah is that what she, I have yeah, that yeah I have so, that as well yes. yeah um it's crippling it, it can be crippling and it's you know it's uh when you're st- when you're creating a business and your time is so um, scarce and limited when you're a startup that trying to please everyone actually doesn't end up helping you or the other person or your business because you kind of end up diluting your your efforts um, and that's yeah that's a lesson that I've had to learn and uh, still learning to be honest yeah you can end up spreading yourself thin yeah and it's 
I, I don't know about you, but I find it very, and I'm, I'm trying, I'm consciously trying to do this, to be really honest and transparent from the beginning yeah. with my boundaries. Yeah. Um, much like when you sit down and do a coaching agreement with someone. Yeah. It, you need that in any sort of work and even personal situation where you go, okay, this is what I'm willing to give. Mm-hmm. Um, even down to things like, this is when I'm okay to be contacted. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. When you're in that kind of business where you're dealing with clients. Yeah. Um, and, it, and sometimes it, if you do it in the beginning, yeah. it sets the precedent and it's fine. Yeah. But when you don't, and it almost gets to that point where you're like, oh, I've got to have this really uncomfortable conversation <laughs> now. <laughs> and it's just, oh, it just makes me cringe. Yeah. Um, and I often look at people that don't have the disease to please. Mm. Or maybe they have had it, but they've got over it. And I so admire people like yeah. that. I'm like, yeah. I really strive for that. Yeah. Because I appreciate it when people are like that with me. Yeah. Because then you know where you stand. Exactly. And I think that's something that you have to kind of keep in the back of your head is that actually you're doing, you're doing others and yourself a favour by being really clear from the very beginning. And I think to add to what you're saying, what I've learned that helps me and helps make it a bit easier to have um, conversations where I can now easily say, you know, yes, that's right for us or no, that's not right for us, is to be really clear about what we want to achieve as a business. Yeah. Because when you're really clear about that and you know exactly, right, this is what this is our goal and this is how we want to um, get there. So who do we need? What kind of expertise or services or partnerships or collaborations do we need to achieve that? So anything that falls outside of that scope, then it's much more easy to say, okay, unfortunately, that's not, we're, you know, we're not the right partners for you this time. However, maybe I can introduce you to someone else who might be a great uh, collaborator with you. Yeah, and when you say no, the world doesn't end. It doesn't <laughs> end, it doesn't end. And um, no, it's, it's definitely a lesson that I think a lot of people have to learn along the way, because you know, we all want to be nice, we all want to make people feel good, but you've got to also think about the long-term gain yeah. and, and the short-term benefit or the short-term happiness that you get from saying yes to lots of people. Actually, where, how is it helping you move the needle on what you're trying to achieve in your business, which hopefully will impact many more people and, and be helpful yeah. to many more people. So I think you've just got to put it in perspective and be really clear about what it is you're trying to build, what you want it to look like, and therefore who do you need to have Absolutely. involved in that. Yeah, well, I'm glad we're both consciously <laughs> on that particular <laughs> on that mission. Yeah. mission. Um, can you tell us a little bit about what Thrive looks like now compared to when you first started yeah it looks very different um the first event was very very small intimate whatever you want to call it can you tell this story because i think it's really inspiring because so many people don't start things for the simple reason that they are scared to fail or it not be perfect yeah or they're worried about what it's going to look like and what that means to for, for yeah. them and how so it imp- can you can you share the yeah the story of your first ever sure no problem so the thrive started the very very first event was in november 2017 and i was six months pregnant with my third child so it was just not a good time to be starting anything but it was an idea that I had in my head. I really wanted to get out there. And I kind of thought, well, you know, there's never a good time to start anything when you've got three kids. So I'm just going to do it now. And I, 
I used, um, I, I asked for help from people that I knew. So my brother who was in marketing gave me some advice about how I could market it. Um, like my husband built me this sign, which I still have in my back garden, just to remind me of where we started from. And I cobbled together somehow 55 registrations for this first event. I managed to negotiate um, space in beautiful cafe in our Circle Avenue. So I had 55 registrations. I was pretty excited actually. That was more than I was anticipating. The space only held 30. And on the day, three people turned up. So <laughs> I, I was just, I didn't know really what to do, however, apart from just continue and carry on. And yeah, there is a funny story about one particular woman who, which I've, I've told before, but she, um, she was the first to arrive, this lovely lady, and she hadn't registered. And I was there expecting 55 people at this event. So I was thinking it's gonna be a full house. We're gonna actually struggle with seats. And this woman arrived and said to me very politely, I have not registered, but I love the sound of this. Can I, can I join in? Can I take a seat? And I said, I'm, I'm really sorry, but I am expecting a full house and no seats to be available. Would you mind just maybe getting a coffee downstairs? And if there's space, I'll see if I can squeeze you in. And so this woman very graciously went downstairs and, and waited. And so, yeah, embarrassingly, half an hour later, I had to go down and find this woman when I had no audience and say, actually, please, can you come upstairs <laughs> and join us? Because we really need an audience. And not only her, I tried to commandeer as many other people from the cafe to come upstairs to make somewhat of an audience for that first event. But yeah, the first event was, you know, on paper, it, it was a flop. It didn't, it didn't go well in terms of people didn't turn up. And uh, yeah, if you fast forward to now, um, yeah, we typically get 80 to 100 people booked up within the first two or three days of launching an event on our social media. And we have a, a wonderful, energetic, vibrant audience at, at every event since then. But how did that make you feel after that first one? Well, interestingly, I actually felt great because <laughs> even though it, um, even though the, the audience didn't come together like I planned, I had still pulled off something which would, was an idea that was in my head and I'd managed to get work through the process and the steps of getting it out into the real world and it had pushed me outside of my comfort zone because I had no budget, right? I had no budget to start this thing with, to start this event. So it meant that I had to go and negotiate things. I had to go and um, the speakers that I got that for that first event I was sure that I was going to approach them and they would also know I'm too busy because these were like founders of very busy companies. They, you know, why would they, yeah. why would they speak at an event which had never been held before? But it, so I had to do things that I had never done before. So for me, the growth just from creating that first small event, even though no one turned up, the personal growth was fantastic. But you did it. And I did it. So yeah. for me, I was like, I'm, I, I'm happy. I, I got it out of my head. I got it into the real world. I, I learned loads of things along the way. I really enjoyed it. 
Um, and I'm going to try another one and I'll see what's going what's to happen. And do you know what? It's only until you do the first of anything yeah. do you then have something to build from. 100%. The first time you do anything, I believe, is going to be awful. Like, you know, when children start walking, they don't walk and they suddenly are amazing at walking. Yeah. Or, you know, when they're feeding themselves, like food is going everywhere. You, you, the first time you do anything as a human being, it's, it's going to be awful. And, but it's what you do after that. It's how you choose to react to that that I think is important. Yeah. And are you going to um, learn lessons? Are you going to get feedback? Which is exactly what I did. I spoke to the people who came and I was like, wow, what did you like? What didn't work? The people who didn't turn up, maybe I, I called a couple of those and said, listen, what didn't work for you? Why didn't you come? And then I learned from that. And uh, when I created the second event, I did things quite differently and it made a massive difference. And so what were the numbers from the first event to the second event? So yeah, three people at the first event. The second event, we had 65. Amazing. Yeah. So that's, and that was, so the first event was in November. The second event was in the February. I think I was about two weeks away from having a child, my, my daughter. And um, yeah, I just took the, the I, I still had the massive passion for what I was trying to achieve and, and do and the reasons behind it. I still wanted to hear lessons and the, the stories of these people. So I, from a personal point of view, I was still keen to, to do this. Um, but yeah, how was I going to make it easier for people to come? What did I do wrong the first time? And how can I rectify it this time? And I think that's just, I think if you've got that approach to everything you do, you can only grow, you can only yeah. get better. If your approach is, oh, it didn't work, forget it. I'm just going to go back to status quo. Then you're not you're not Perhaps that benefiting. just isn't the thing for you. Perhaps it's not the thing for you. Or also, what, but you've also got to think about what did you gain from it? Because you would have gained something. You would have learned something. So there's no, it's not a failure. It's like a learning. It's, it's yeah. Uh, and there's something so amazing about having an idea and seeing it come to life. Yeah. 100%. I'm almost quite sort of addicted to that process. Yeah. I love that this is just something I was thinking about and and here it is and here it is and it yeah. might not be it might not look like exactly what I thought or okay it hasn't gone 100% to plan yeah. but you have to start somewhere start. and starting is the main thing yeah and I uh, my husband and I are very different in this way he's much more of a planner mm -hmm. he's much he likes to do research I am like a bull in a china shop I just start before I'm ready yeah. sometimes to my detriment <laughs> but I'm like just start yeah and you'll figure it out as you go yeah you you will never know all the answers at the beginning no like, even even halfway through or you know even at well at I'm the sure end still now after every event there's something you take away yes. okay we're gonna maybe do that a little bit differently or that worked really well definitely. how can we build on that definitely we're still very much a startup we're still very much learning and growing and figuring stuff out and making mistakes every single day but the what I love about this whole process is that I can I genuinely personally see so much growth in myself from just pushing through these challenges and figuring out solutions to, to problems. Um, and I'm, I'm getting so much value from that. Mm. And it's feeding me massively. It's really feeding my passion for this. And it's something, it was, it's a feeling that I was not getting in my, in my previous career. Yeah. So I'm so glad that I, that I did something about it. No, it's, it's amazing. And what does the future look like for Thrive? What have you got coming up? 
from now until the end of the year and then beyond that? So from now until the end of the year, the next month actually is quite busy for us. So we've got three masterclasses coming up, one on intellectual property, which I've attended a few months ago, absolutely fascinating and uh, crucial for small and big businesses. Uh, and that's free. And we've got another one in November, that's on 6th of November. On the 20th of November, we have a masterclass uh, about the business model canvas, which is taught by a really fascinating individual called Kava Anishiravani. He is a um, multiple business owner. He is one of the best mentors for startups and executives in the city, and he's an angel investor. And that is gonna be really like, for any aspiring or established entrepreneurs, a really great way to give every aspect of your business a health check and figure out, get really super clear about what you're doing and is it working and why not. Amazing. Taught by an amazing guy. Um, the third masterclass we've got in early December is with Natasha de Souza, and that's um, how to become the ultimate expert, which we've run a couple of teaser sessions already for that. Uh, amazing stuff, very highly interactive workshop that's going to be, very high She's touch. She's incredible. Amazing I had woman. her on this podcast yeah. and she, after we stopped recording, the conversation continued yeah. and she gave me a lot of things to think about. She's, yeah, yeah, yeah. she's a really smart, amazing lady. Very smart. Um, a lot of great advice from very personal experience of her own that she's learned from and she's bringing it to the masterclass in early December. And then we have a speaker event um, on the 10th of December with three fascinating individuals who are, we can't wait to announce the details, but they are not only recognized in this city for what they do, but um, globally as well. So keep an eye out for the details of that. Beyond the year, um, beyond the year, we are actually working quite hard at the moment to develop ideas about how we can be much more of a valuable um, platform to our community online. So we love creating the events offline and creating opportunities for people to connect and learn from some of the best in their field. But we also want to be a go-to resource for women online. So we're working really hard on some ideas for that. So yeah, stay tuned in the new year for hopefully some exciting announcements. There. Amazing. I know. I, I mean, I've loved watching your journey. And I remember Thank the you. first time I found you on Instagram. Okay. And I... And this was when I was thinking about this podcast and I kept seeing you coming up and I was like, wow, I just love what they're doing. Thank you. Um, and yeah, I've just loved watching it grow and develop and I will be coming to, to one of these events, if not all of them, uh, between now and, and the end of the year. So yeah, I'm really excited for you because Thank I think... You more than ever we need these spaces and mm, platforms mm. and now you know the way we work is just so different yeah even definitely. in the past five years yeah. you know you can start something yeah you can work remotely you can build a business yeah um you know with relatively little investment yeah um, there's so much you can do yourself yeah. so yeah, well done for everything Thank you you're doing. Much. Thank you. Um, we're going to do a quick fire round now. Okay. Okay, so favorite quote? The one that keeps coming back to me is how you do anything is how you do everything. That is a quote that I probably say to myself at least twice a day, if not more. 
Uh, and it really struck a chord with me when I first heard it. And the reason I love it so much is that for me, it has really driven me to think about everything that I do, whether that's business, work, relationship, parenting, how much effort am I putting in? Am I doing it half-heartedly? Because at the end of the day, I think habit has a lot to answer for. 100%. So I think this quote really speaks into habit. So when you're doing stuff with your kids, um, with your business, are you approaching it half-heartedly? Are you putting in 70% or are you putting in 100%? And it kind of reminds, I love this quote because it reminds me when I am feeling a little bit like, oh, lazy, like how I do anything is how I do everything. And I'm trying to build up that habit of really giving it my all with, with every aspect of my life. I recently saw something, and I can't remember the exact quote, but it was along the lines of where you're failing is in your day-to-day routine. Mm. Or something along those lines. Mm. And it's so true. So often we think about the big things. Yeah. But what are you actually doing on a on a daily basis? How are you structuring your day? What are you yeah. giving time to? Yeah. Um, oh, you know, we all have bad habits. We can all procrastinate. Of course, so, of course. Um, yeah, I, I love that. Best piece of life advice you've ever been given? The, the best piece of life advice I've ever heard is make sure you fill your own cup. And not only that, make sure it is overflowing. Because when you are feeding yourself personal, like I'm talking about personal development, when you're looking after yourself, you have then so much more to give to other people. And I think there is a, I have been in this space as a mother, and I think this is very typical of mothers, where you often put yourself last. And I have definitely been there where for years you put your children first and everything else first and you sacrifice anything that you want to do or anything that drives you, anything that you're excited by on the side of that. And what happens is that you end up just hitting the floor because mm. after years of, of, of just giving, 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 you literally have nothing left for yourself or for anyone else. So actually I've had to do quite a significant mind shift for that as a, as a mother, which is I need to look after myself. I need to do things that excite me so that when I'm around my children, I am alive and passionate. And, and, I've, and also when I'm coaching people, I've, I'm bringing something to the table. And I think, yeah, I think it was actually an Oprah quote yeah. that I heard that from. Well, she, she says, doesn't she, people will say or have said to her, oh, you're so full of yourself. She's like, I am. I am full. Full. I'm overflowing. Overflowing. And I, I, I'm like a broken record. I think I say this to someone at least once a week. Fill your own cup. Yeah. Stop being a martyr. Yeah. Whether you have children or not. You know, I know so many people that are like constantly giving to others. And it's a beautiful thing. But then you're left burnt out yeah. and empty. Yeah. And then that can manifest in so many ways. Um, and you're the one that ends up, you know getting sick or mm-hmm. being exhausted, not being yeah. able to do the things you want. So And then what do you have to give? And then and then what? So but but I think like the disease to please, it's such a conscious thing. Yeah. You need to to consciously always be doing that. Yeah. Yeah. Um and I hate when people say, I'm just gonna be a little bit selfish. No, it's not selfish. That's okay. You look yeah. after yourself. Yeah. There's there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um 
Favorite tool or app for helping organize your life? Now, my husband would actually laugh at this, me answering this question because <laughs> he probably considers me one of the most disorganized people that he knows. That really surprises <laughs> me. I imagine you being highly organized. Um, to, I mean, to a certain, I think I'm highly organized, but I'm, I probably don't use, I'm not that techie. So I, am, I need to know the answers to this question because I don't use anything in particular to, to make myself get any more organized. However, I'm, I have learned a couple of things recently which have helped. Um, but in terms of an app, I literally, it's boring. I literally just use the calendar on my phone. Yeah, everybody said calendar so far. I put everything into that calendar, whether it's like going to the park with the kids so I can see what my day <laughs> is going to look like, I put it in. Um, so yeah, a very boring but actually really useful app is just the calendar and like putting everything into like it. Like blocking out time. Blocking like out time. This is from here to here, I'm going to work on this. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. But the other thing that I've learned really uh, very recently, which has been really useful to me, is actually auditing your time at work. And what I mean by that, I, I haven't, there's no app that I'm using for it. I'm literally just using an Excel spreadsheet and or somewhere to record. But when you actually record and audit how you are spending your working day, what exactly are you working on from this time to this time, this time to this time, and you start seeing where your time is going, uh, because we all do it. You know, you're, you're typing an email to someone, your phone buzzes, you then turn to your phone, you answer yeah. some messages, maybe you check Instagram, maybe you check Facebook. And then actually, but when you start auditing your time, you don't actually, you stop doing that. It actually makes you more efficient because you don't want to be writing into your log, spent 10 minutes on Facebook. You may answer the, the, the message that's come through, but then you immediately put it down and you kept going, go back to work. But um, auditing your time, literally writing down how you're spending your working hours, I found has made me much more efficient. Mm. But it's a very recent thing that I've started doing. Yeah, I've, I've had to do it um, for a few clients before just to keep a log of hours. Yeah. And um, it is sort of a job in itself yeah, as it well. Can be. Yeah. But I think, yeah, it's so true. And the Instagram thing, so I recently came off Instagram, mm -hmm. my personal mm -hmm. account, just disabled it for a little while. Yeah. Because I thought, I am going through this transition period. I feel very foggy. I don't know which path to go down. I need some clarity. And it was actually a coach that suggested it because they had done it uh, a year ago. Just come off for a couple of months mm. and get some clarity. Because mm. I was finding myself, like you'll be in the middle of writing an email or, or doing some work and then you know you get a, an inbox. Yeah. You and you check it. And then you're just like sucked into looking at people's Insta stories. <laughs> It's so easy And everyone to do. just seems to have their life sorted on Instagram. <laughs> we all know that they don't, but you exactly. get sucked into this like, oh, they're there, there. And it's not jealousy. It's just that when you are going through that, uh, I need some clarity and I'm not sure what I'm doing, it kind of heightens the fact that you feel like everyone else does know what they're doing. Mm. And I just took myself off and already I feel like I'm making a better use of my time. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, yes, you need your social media for your business, yeah. and I still have accounts for business, but I go in, I do what I need to do, and I come out. Exactly. Rather than seeing all your friends, yeah. and, you know, so. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's so true, being really aware of what am I actually spending yeah. spending time on. Yeah. Biggest pet peeve when it comes to business? The biggest pet peeve when it comes to business is, for me, unfortunately, in this country, I think, the financial barrier to entry for creating a business in this country 
is a big pet peeve. Like, when I compare what you have to spend for a license, and I know that the government is working to try and make this easier, but still, when you have, what you have to spend to have a license to be able to legally operate in this country before you've even taken a cent in revenue is such a high barrier for a lot of people and such a high risk um, that, that I think that's quite frustrating for a lot of, not just me, a lot of entrepreneurs in this, in, in this country. Um, and when I, especially when you compare it to some of the countries we're from, like I'm from the UK, it doesn't cost you anything to start a business. You just register your business. Yeah, company's house, register Done. your name, off you go. Off you go. Yeah, it's, do you know what? It's so funny that you say that because I had an idea, I still have an idea, and I started to look into it over the past month. And when I got to the licensing bit, because I was trying to figure out all the costs, yeah. I got so deflated. Yeah that I just closed the presentation and I haven't opened it again since. Yeah. Now, I know that's not the right attitude, but it just, seeing that figure, I just thought, well, I may as well not even bother. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so, I know that that's not the right attitude, but it just so deflated yeah. me that, yeah, I just thought, well, that's such a huge amount to even begin with. Yeah. It's, like you said, it's such a risk. Yeah. Um, for something sort of homegrown and small. And the danger is that, we could be missing out on some amazing ideas which just never really get started because that individual is you know is in two minds about whether to do it or not because the barrier to just yeah. even starting is quite high so that's my biggest pet peeve yeah they are working on different are, options I know, I know that but yeah. there are still if you want certain types of businesses you can't get away from yeah. that that big initial that in, investment mm. What's been your most important life lesson so far? The most important life lesson? Um, hmm. um, I think the most important life lesson so far has been not to let the opinions of other people determine what I want to do. And that is, I would say, an ongoing life lesson because I'm not, I wouldn't say that I'd cracked that. I'm still affected by um, other people's opinions. But that has been one of the biggest ones to get over. Um, and I think that, I'm sure that a lot of people are in the same boat as that. But yeah, I think when you start creating your life and, and making decisions based on pleasing other people mm. you just it's you're just setting yourself up for failure um you you're not really truly chasing happiness you're you're chasing recognition you're chasing status and at the end of the day uh, you know those things are they they belong to someone else's opinion they don't belong to you that's and their stuff that's theirs yeah and i think yeah i so i think the biggest life lesson so far for me and it's ongoing is um not trying to let the other the opinions, opinions of other people affect mm. my decisions and how i want to live my life yeah i can really resonate with that yeah. and even not just opinions but what might they think yeah. if i it's like that imposter syndrome yeah they're going to think, well, who is she to try and do that? Mm. And it's so silly yeah. um, to give to give what other people think so much energy. Yeah. But I guess it's human nature. 
as well. I think it's human nature because I think we we want to belong. We want yeah, to we feel want to included. Liked. We want to be yeah. liked. We want to be because you know we don't we don't work alone as human beings. We 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 live in communities. We live mm. in families. It's natural to want um, to feel comfortable with yeah. the people that are around you and to please them and to, and for them to be um, proud of you and happy for you. Um, and often, unfortunately, it's it's often the people who are closest to you whose opinions you know, are probably most vocal. Um, and they're, they're the most difficult ones to sometimes yeah. try and not necessarily take on board. Um, but another actual life lesson is I'm hugely driven by regret. And I think another life lesson is it's so much better to try things and fail at them than never to try at all. Mm. So I think trying trying things out, testing things out, chasing ideas. That's like a beautiful life lesson that I've learned in the last few yeah. years. If you could give your 18-year-old self one piece of advice, what yeah. would it be? The piece of advice I'd give my 18-year-old self would be when it comes to your career and what you want to do for your work, just put your fingers in your ears when it comes to other people's opinions. Don't chase the money or the status or tick boxes because you feel like it's gonna make your parents happy. Chase things that get you excited and you'll probably be surprised at the opportunities that arise from, from having that approach. Oh, so true. Okay, last question. What do you know for sure? I know for sure that this is not a practice life, that we only get one shot, and for that reason, take opportunities when they come up, make the most of your life, live meaningfully, live with purpose, and just be in the pursuit of, of happiness and what that means to you, not to anyone else, but what that means to you. Um, because at the end of the day, when you're hopefully elderly, you're not going to look back and wish you had a bigger house or a better car or more money in the bank. You're going to look back and you, you're going to you're going to look at what you what you did. What did you what did you try? What did you experience? Who was that with? What were the relationships that you built? Um, how often did you wake up excited to start your day and your week? And, and who did you share that journey with? So. Yeah, I know for sure that this is not this is not a practice run. Yeah, they are worse to live by. My mum always says it's not a dress rehearsal. Exactly, hundred <laughs> percent. Farida, thank you so much. Pleasure. Absolute I'm going pleasure. to put all the information about your up and coming events in the show notes, thank you. as well as all your social media handles. And yeah, thank you so much for sharing your story, um, being so open and honest. So thank you. Oh, thanks for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you once again to Farida for sharing her inspiring story. You can follow Thrive on Instagram at thrive.talks. You can also find further information on Farida and Thrive in the show notes below. As always, if you'd like to find out who my guests will be on the next episode of Life School, please do follow us on Instagram at lifeschoolme, where you can keep up to date with all our news and find information on all our amazing guests. And finally, I would be so grateful if you could show some love and please rate, review and subscribe to Life School Emmy, the podcast to help us reach and hopefully inspire more listeners. 
Thank you for listening to Life School. Conversations to inspire action.